You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Step to the line of scrimmage once again with this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Well, finally, the Eagles hit their bye for some much-needed rest and rehab, and the team is still relevant. I have this team projected as a six or seven-win team. They have six wins, and they're still relevant in the so-called playoff hunt. So for this particular show, I'm bringing in a guy I've had a lot of respect for for a lot of years. I've known for a long time. I love his work. He is Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network. Uh, man, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, D-Gun. Thank you very much. And uh, you know the respect goes back uh, the other way as well, man. Good to... Uh, Good to chop it up with you here, and uh, yeah, let's 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 get into it. All right, brother. Well, as you just heard me say, uh, Eagles are six and seven, two and a half behind Dallas and the division. Four games to play. They are currently the number eight seed. Can they do it? Can this team that many projected to win six or seven games somehow find a way to slip into the back door of the playoffs? There's no question. Um, I mean, the schedule's lining up this way, and I know that they're kicking themselves for that Giants loss. Um, not, not just cause like, you know, we, we, in the media will look at a schedule and say, Hey, they got five games coming up and they're all winnable. So they're going to go five and oh, well, it's not how it works certainly in this league. And, um, it's, it's less about, as I have found this over the year, it's less about how it looks on paper. It's more about the timing, right? So you catch a team like the jets coming off a win in Houston. It was a good spot for the Eagles. They're coming off a loss. Jets are coming off a, a win on the road. Uh, still got a lot of work to do. So it was like, it was a great spot. And, and you know, I think I think that factored a little bit into, you know, let's just let Jalen chill. Let's not push this. We believe in Gardner. We can win this game. 
Um, so, uh, you know, the, 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 I'm, I just threw out the cautionary tale and then I'm going to say, look at the schedule and it does line up for them uh, to take care of what they need to take care of. So, yeah, I, I, I think they can. And, and you know, I, I had them probably around where you were, six wins, something like that. Um, you know, and I think I think I'm probably kicking myself for a few things. You know, we, we did know coming in, they were strong up front on both sides of the ball. And, and that still wins you games in the NFL and it forever will win you games in the NFL. Um, and that's how they've done it. And I, I give Nick Sirianni, you know, credit for midstream adjusting and, and getting this team to this point. So, yeah, I think they're I think they're very much in it. And, you know, a postseason game, albeit on the road, would not be a surprise to me. Mm. What has stood out the most to you about this team's ability just to even stay in uh, playoff conversation? Probably, you know, I go back to early in the season, there was a little unrest, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, right? And I, and, um, I had heard such high praise about Jonathan Gannon. Um, I remember back in training camp, um, he was holding his his session with the media and Howie Roseman walked kind of right by me and he goes, he points to him, he says, this guy, stud, stud, and he just kept on walking. And then early in the season, it was like, you know, these guys weren't happy with how they were being used. Fletcher Cox made no secret about it. Um, the way it was explained to me, and, and you know, I've played a little bit of ball and I've covered it, but the yep. way it was explained to me was Gannon, instead of like, let's put our 11 guys in best position to cover and to attack as a whole, was more trying to isolate certain guys and highlight certain guys. And this play is for you and this design is for you. And um, I don't, I don't know how much that's changed, but I know that that's what they were frustrated about. You know, if you weren't the guy that was highlighted and even if you were, and it, and it just wasn't working as designed, they're saying, why are we doing this? This is, this is not an, that's more of an offensive mindset that he was trying to take to the defense. Long story short, um, I thought, oh boy, this is, this doesn't sound great. Uh, <laughs> but, but for them to, to make the adjustments and to stay on the same page and get, or get on the same page, I should say, um, I, I think that's because this could have gone seven different ways and and still got them in contention. And I don't know, Dave, it feels kind of weird. Like we know how demanding this town is to for us to sit here and say, you know, they're they're on the the, the what are they six and seven? They're on six the wrong side seven, of yeah. yeah, they're on the wrong side of five hundred. <laughs> but we're saying, hey, look how good things have gone. But you know, it, it, that's the fact of the matter, man. You know this market as well as I do. You know the fan base as well as I do. Do you think the fan base has been too critical of? Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, the, the the way this team was put together. Um, the way they were put together, or kind of how they've been coached this year. I mean, what's the all, all of the above? It's all encompassed. Well, the way they were coached, I, how they were put. But together. I do, I do want to isolate it because okay, I thought people were being too critical of Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff early in the season. Okay, particularly with the the run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because we we know that. It gets oversimplified. That being said, he kind of listened to it. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> leaned into it, right? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, and and I, you know, in talking to defensive coaches that have faced these guys um, both early in the season and 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 later as we've gotten into it, they've kind of said, you know, look, they they seem like they were a bit in denial about who they were and what they had to be early in the season, and it was probably the opener how well things went there that maybe had them thinking that they were a different kind of offensive team, but, but now they've, they've, they've leaned into it. And um, yeah, I, 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 
I would say people were being too hard on them, except what they were saying. Nick Sirianni said, you know what? That's a good idea. I'm going to do it, you know, and and um, and made the adjustment. So I, I don't think they've been too hard in that regard. I do think they've been too hard um, when you look at the roster makeup that that you're talking about and and the plan. I, I think it's really, you know, and, and Howie Roseman has taken a, a, a ton of heat over the last couple of years. Some of it, you know, absolutely deserved. Yep. Um uh, you know, and and I look at this year, I think he's done a really nice job of keeping this team competitive, sticking by guys who because you could you could say, hey, we're rebuilding. We're tearing this down. We're going Miami Dolphins the last couple of years. Um, who else did the Cleveland Browns have done it within the last decade, probably a couple of times um, and, and full tear down. We don't care if we win games. We're just going to stockpile. the Houston Texans are doing it right now. Uh, we're going to stockpile picks going forward. He, he knows that wouldn't have flown in this market. I think he also realizes you need to do right by guys who were cornerstone pieces of this team that won a title a couple of years ago. And to do all that and keep them competitive right now, I, I think it's I think it was a really nice job of what he's done. Now, listen, three first-round picks sounds great. Go check with the Raiders. They didn't hit on them. Uh, go check with Miami. They haven't hit on theirs. Their, their, so going forward, you know, he's still got to deliver. Uh, but I think he's done a nice job of balancing everything he's trying to accomplish right now. It's not easy to do. What did you think of Gardner Minshew mania this past Sunday? I thought it was, I, I, I covered the game and um, it's, as I said, I put it on Instagram as I, as I said in there, um, I don't have a rooting interest. I mean, people all the time, I covered the giants for nine years and they were like, how'd you cover the giants when you grew up an Eagles fan? I said, had I, I covered the Eagles before that. You, you just, you, you know how it is. You're not a fan when that happens. I mean, you're too close. You see how the sausage gets made and you know, it's, it's, and, and I don't mean like for re, for good and bad. I mean, I, I went up and covered the giants, like I said, for nine years and sure. I was like, wow, these guys, there's some really awesome guys in this locker room that I got to know. And it's like, well, if I was still an Eagles fan, how would I sit there and say, well, I want the giants to do bad when I know yep. these guys personally. And I, I, you know, they respect me. I respect them. Yeah. Anyway, the long way of me saying uh, I did enjoy covering a guy who from the moment he showed up in that jacket and the glasses and um, and, and wasn't doing it for show either. No, right. No. Like we do the we do the the, the 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 walk in. We show them on NFL Network and, you know, who's trying to really look like they're they're hot stuff and who's going the other way. Who wants to be? Oh, hey, it's just lunch pail guy going to work, right? right it's right. all right. Gardner Minshew showing up the way he did. He knew it was going to get attention, but he, I don't, didn't feel like he did it for attention. Right, um, right. Just felt like genuinely he was a kid having fun. And he saw that guy that he sees. I, Because I, I saw the guy that he went up and, and jumped and, and slapped five with. And he was, he looked like Gardner. He had a mustache with the, with the head thing on, um, the head sleeve, whatever it is. And I said, oh, this guy came dressed as Gardner Minshew. Apparently, he just, that's his look. And he's got a Jim McMahon jersey on for most games, and Gardner has seen him. And, you know, so to see him celebrate with that guy and then the, the video of him afterwards celebrating with his dad, it's cool. It's cool. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of serious things that we do, but, but it's still a game. And, you know, I appreciated that. I'm glad you brought up the, the video after the game, man. Uh, you and I both, we've covered this game a long time. And I, t- I you know what? I don't get emotional, but I almost got emotional watching that video. Yeah. I mean, the bond between him and his father. And, and you can tell, man, this is a guy, he, he's not 
consumed by being an NFL player. He's just happy to be there and mm-hmm. happy to be given an opportunity and share that moment with his dad, man. And I never, I, it's been quite a while since I've seen any kind of video close to something like that. Kind of got me right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. John Clark, who shot that, did, yeah. uh, did a great job grabbing that um, outside the buses. And, and, and it was a great scene. And there were very little words. I mean, I, I, I there was, it was all just the, the emotion, the, the actions and, uh, how excited he was. Look, he went through some things in Jacksonville. I was talking to somebody yesterday that was part of that previous regime. And yeah. they said, you know, I Doug Marone really never took a liking to Gardner Minshew and we couldn't figure out why. Mm. Um, and that he, that person thinks that Marone kind of let Trent Balky know his thoughts on the matter. And it feels like it soured him for the, the, the following, which they had the, I mean, they were going to take Trevor Lawrence. He had no future in Jacksonville. Um, but I, I think that there's probably a disappointment. Any any proud player, you know, he was asked after the game, Gardner, do you want to be the starter? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he wants to be. And he said say? any player who's, you know, wants to be the starter. Um, so I think for him, not rubbing it in anybody's face, but I'm sure there's a part of him that uh, was upset that he got bounced from Jacksonville the way he did, the way he was treated on the back end. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think he understands, like, they had the number one pick. You got to take Trevor Lawrence. But that being said, we shouldn't have been in position to have the number mm-hmm. one pick because mm-hmm. I should have been in a position to be more successful. And I think that's a huge part of the emotion that w- that you saw on Sunday that he wouldn't say, but it was a, it was a big part of it, I think. You know how we love a good quarterback controversy in Philadelphia? And, and sure enough, after that game, yeah. as, I, as I knew it was going to happen, all across social media platforms, radio uh, formats, people are talking about who do you go with from, from this point on? In, in your mind, should, there, should we even be talking about a, a, the possibility of a, a quarterback controversy? Uh, no. Um, I, I, I just, I'm already to the point of, okay, how's this going to affect uh, Jalen? Yeah. Um, just because of how things went with Carson Wentz, um, who I've been supportive of, who I think is a terrific quarterback, um, who I think is um, the kind of guy you want as your franchise quarterback in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, mm-hmm. except for the way that this kind of stuff affected him. Um, it's just as much as he tried to block it out, um, it seeped in and it affected him. I think Jalen Hurts is a different makeup. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um he already dealt with it. I mean, Deshaun Watson wasn't here, but we all knew that they were nosing around there yeah. um, and he was being asked about it. So for him to have already kind of dealt with this one time around mm-hmm. um, and come out of it stronger or as strong as he was before, mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty good indication that he can handle it going forward, but we'll see. I mean, you never know till this kind of stuff. It's one thing to, you know, I, like I said, he did deal with it, but Watson wasn't here. Now he's going to see mm-hmm. Minshew every day. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what really messed with, Went two times when Foles was there uh, and when Jalen Hurts was there. So uh, we'll see. I think uh, it'll be talked about and it'll be amplified for two weeks. But um, if it's up to you, Jalen, if you're listening, I know you're not because, you know, I think you really do tune things out. Um, hang in there. He's a good he's a good young kid. I want to see him get a get a fair shake. Think, think about what you you were like when you were 23 years old. Now, here's a young man, 23 years of age on a, a, a huge stage in one of the most critical markets in the NFL. He's had to listen to rumors about another quarterback. He comes out of the gate. He's the Pied Piper of Philadelphia. Fans love him. All of a sudden, it starts to go up and down like that proverbial roller coaster. 
Um, that's a lot of weight for a 23-year-old to carry yeah. on his shoulders. People can say, well, he's a high-paid athlete, but he's still human. You yeah. know, and, and that's a lot of weight. And I don't know what he's like uh, away from the cameras, but I tell you what, when he steps in front of the cameras, I think he is the consummate poker player. You don't know what he's thinking. His yeah. demeanor never changes, and yep. he's always positive, always the same. I made mistakes. I've made, made mistakes. I'm 41. I make mistakes on a daily basis. I, sure. I just, I, there were some mistakes that I made professionally and otherwise. I mean, through... I would say about the time that I was 25, 26, when I really felt like, okay, I'm starting to grow up. And part of that is I met my wife when I was 26 and yeah, yeah. she slapped me around a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> she's still doing. Um, so I, but I, that, that's, if, if you said to me, like, when did you become an adult? I would say around 25, 26. Right. And, and these get now there, they have, well, let me go back. I mean, I, I I always say that, and then I say like I'm I'm the one that I feel like grew up with good parenting, yeah, a really good environment, all these, and and a lot of these guys were not as fortunate to have that. And it's like right. okay, so we're asking way more of them than was asked of me. Sure. And anyway, um, the other thing is though that they're thrust into situations when they're 18, 19, 20 that 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 I didn't see, so that kind of maybe evens out a little bit. But the long and short of it is, yeah, I, I, I do look back at these guys and say, how are we asking them to to deal with all this at an age where, you know, most of us were not able to deal with it? So, um, yeah, I think I think and I think he's won people over. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I, I a lot of people over. Um, I go back to last year. I remember talking to player agents who were saying when he took over and not not even defending Wentz, just giving me a hey, my guy said. Oh, but this guy takes over. I, it's not going to work out. And, right, right. you know, our, our guys, our, our, our receivers and tight ends are going to be upset. And, and I remember seeing during a game last year, one of those players celebrating with Hertz and it was a genuine celebration of, yeah, all right, man. And I, I think I even took a video and sent it to an agent. And I was like, I thought you said, he's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe apparently the guy's winning them over. I was like, okay. And, and that carried through to this year. And I think, you know, Ian Rappaport, two, two, three weeks ago, he had the report. Um, you know, and it was kind of, I, I love to tell Ian this, like, oh, you're right. going gonna to get so much attention when it's like, yeah, everybody in Philly's kind of been talking about it. It was right. that, um, you know, he he's starting to win, uh, play his way into being the franchise quarterback. And that was the day, the Eagles game. He had his worst game. I said, Ian, you broke Jalen. What did you kill? What are you doing? People in Philly are going to kill you. Um, but, uh, um I, I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that this team made the Wentz trade because they yeah. realized it was just it was it was not going to work out anymore and then said, all right, let's start to compile this mm-hmm. draft pick compensation next year because we're either going to need it to trade for a quarterback or, or to draft a quarterback. And Jalen kind of raised his hand throughout the course of this year. I was like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, okay, yeah. Why don't you use those picks on other positions across the <laughs> roster? So we'll see. I still think right now it's like it's it's a tough it's a tough call if if I'm Howie because he's played really well has yeah. he has he done enough to show you like no matter what adjustments are made I'm going to continue to evolve we'll see and we'll have that conversation as we get into January February March yeah. leading up to the drafting 
You know, the, the funny thing is people can, can, can keep screaming about the Eagles looking for a quarterback of the future all they want, but, but the birds are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, you know, the rumors out there, hey, can you get Aaron Rodgers? Can you get Russell Wilson? First of all, I don't think either one of those quarterbacks are coming to Philadelphia in its current situation. They've won Super Bowls. They want to put themselves in a position at this stage of their careers to possibly win another Super Bowl sooner rather than later. And then mm-hmm. if the rumors we hear are true or the evaluations that 2022 is not a great year to draft a quarterback, you know, we may be looking at Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew again in 2022. And I think people need to possibly get ready for that. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I do. Yeah. And, okay. and part of it is how he's going to play down the stretch here. He being Hurts. Um, but I think that there's a, you know, and, and I also, I, I think these quarterbacks in the draft probably wind up going higher than we think, just because that's the way it happens and teams sure. need them. And, you I know, I, I don't think you'll, you'll see, what was the one year? There wasn't a quarterback taken until, gosh, it was in the teens. Um, was it 2013. Mm. It was the Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Dion Jordan draft. Unless I'm confusing my years. Anyway. Long story okay. short, um, okay. uh, I, I think you're going to see some quarterbacks in the mix there. Um, you know, Rodgers, I think, winds up in Denver. It's just the, the, my, my hunch right there. And, you know, there are places Washington's going to potentially need something, although Heineke's kind of pulling a Hurts down there right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think at some point, if you're Howie, you say, hey, I had a, a certain thing in mind with regard to how these draft picks are going to be used. Um but this guy's buying time, you know, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I, I, I believe that, that you may be there. Now the question is, I said this to, when Ian and I talked about this re- with regard to his story, you know, how much do you want to lean into it? Right. Do you want to, and, and it's, it's different. I'm, I'm going to say this and, and I know I shouldn't, and I know people are might get pissed, but do you want to become the Baltimore Ravens? Right. Like, do you want to yeah. say we, we really got to scheme stuff because who was who was talking the other day? Hmm. Was it the Giants game or the Jets game? One of the defenders was talking afterward about how they're not like Baltimore, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like that, where there's really nothing, not a whole lot that you can do. Or maybe it was a Saints game even. Um, mm. But basically saying like they're, they're, their offense isn't designed with like stuff that's schemed for featuring the quarterback. It's just we're going to run these zone read looks. And because of him, it opens up stuff for the running back because we have to respect the quarterback. Or if he pulls it, hey, even though we've got a guy devoted to him, he's going to beat that guy, and now he's off and running. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you, do you want to now go into the offseason and say, all right, Jalen Hurts is our guy. We're going to do even more of the stuff focused around his legs. Now we're going to scheme toward that. That That's mm-hmm. another question that they're going to have to answer even beyond mm-hmm. sticking with him uh, for the foreseeable future. Do you think there's a possibility moving forward for the remainder of this season that Sirianni could utilize both uh, Hurts and Minshew's talents in game situations similar to what New Orleans did with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill? I don't think so. Okay. I, only because if it was flipped, right? And, and, okay. and Jalen can come in and be that, which they – sort of envisioned last year. Yeah, and be um, that Taysom Hill. Yeah, to be, okay. you know, because it's very rare that you go the other way and say, I, I, you know, let's bring in Minshew, a guy who's more of a pocket passer. Uh, I, I wouldn't think so. And the other thing is, um, just with regard to what we talked about earlier, you know, the, yeah. the, the market and, 
you know, if Minshew comes in, he's in for five plays and he throws four completions and one of them's a touchdown, another one's a long throw. It's just creating a problem for your quarterback that I, I that I wouldn't create. So, right, well, right. I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, I, I my my hunch is no. Okay, you cover this team a lot, and and I got to ask you this: To what degree do you think Sirianni has improved this season as a coach? Oh, I think he's improved vastly, and I thought he was okay. a little too honest early in the season. Um, the San Francisco game, mm-hmm. uh, it was the San Fran game. It was the, the Kansas City game? I think it was right after that. Or was it the Dallas game? No, it was the Dallas game. And um, I got 32 teams in my head and I got to keep their schedules straight. And I just, <laughs> I get these moments of like, I sort of remember this, but I, you know, and obviously I remember more of the Eagles because I spend more time around them, but it's still, it's still tough to kind of, I got to file these things in my head. Um, right, right. But it was the game. He says, oh, I really dragged myself through the mud. Um, I, I guess it was before, yeah, because it was before the Dallas game because he had an extra day. And he was saying, I had another day to kind of drag myself. And it's like, I, I don't know what Bob Lang, the Eagles PR guy, said to him afterward, but my, my thought was, don't say that. You Don't let him know you're sweating. Don't exactly. let him see you sweat, you know? Um, so I, I think he's – but but I and, and Doug Peterson had a little bit of that in him, right. definitely more so early on. Yeah, he had, he had um, to learn as he went along. Yeah, yeah, but I think at times he went a little too far the other way. You know, the, I, think, I think some people do want to see – what Jason Kelsey talks about, which is accountability, right? Yeah. Um, so people want to see that and people want to see you be a human being. There's still a, but it's like a fine line that you want to walk right. towards. So, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's become more confident in himself. Um, I think he's certainly earned the players trust uh, mm-hmm. as we've gotten throughout the season. So, yeah, I think he's, I think he's improved um, when they made the hire. I mean, and the opening press conference didn't help, but when they made the hire, it was kind of like, you know, eh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a whole lot of depth here. No, there's, there's, I was right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there's, there's, there's plenty of depth here. And uh, the guy doesn't drink coffee, which is crazy to me considering how energetic he is. Now you being a Philadelphia native, you cover a lot of Eagles games. Is it hard for you to, to be, uh, to not be biased? You know, because I know you still bleed Eagles green when you cover the team. <laughs> is it hard sometimes? No. And I even covered the Super Bowl. See, here's here's what I <laughs> you can't. Well, this is an audio podcast, but I'm right. going to show you, D-Gun. Hold on. OK. All right. <laughs> so in my office, I have a couple of frame things. And right. This is, um, so my mother bought this. Is, this is me here. The bald guy. Uh <laughs> These are my friends. These guys are brothers. This is my brother. This is my uh, cousin. And they came with me to uh, Minnesota. And my mother bought this for everybody. Okay. um, Afterward. And it's, it's a Super Bowl champions. It had a place for your ticket and it had a place for a picture. And the ticket was more vertical than my credential right here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to take it to get it recut so I could fit my credential in here. And I, thought to myself, should I be hanging this up? Because I'm, I'm not a, um, I'm not a fan. Right. Should right, I be right. hanging this up? Is it, <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, no, this is okay to hang up because the, the memories of that week are what Absolutely. I remember. Absolutely. Right. And here, here I am with my guys and they were so excited and I was happy for them. Right. I was happy that they were excited and truly during the game, I wasn't agonizing and right. even when the confetti was going, I didn't feel it as a fan, but I just remember being on the field and 
seeing my brother. They um, we we get tickets every year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we still do, but we. Uh, <laughs> COVID has disrupted everything, Deacon. I'll let you yeah, know in a couple. Of, uh, but we get we get one to two tickets depending on the year, and sometimes the location is horrible, and sometimes it's good. Well, Minnesota, I guess, because it was a cold location and yeah. the demand maybe was low. Lower. It wasn't low, but it was lower. We got like third row tickets. Um, wow. Yeah. And and it wasn't third row where it was like obstructed view because they they elevate those seats sure. down there. So they, they were there right kind of where the Philly special happened um, toward that end zone. And I remember going down the field and just seeing them and Colleen Wolf's family was there. Um, and and a couple other, uh, James Palmer, I think his family was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just seeing how excited they were. Yeah, that made it a memorable week. And I, I don't, you know, and, and part of me says, well, I miss my fandom because I, I, you know, I like to kind of live and die with this stuff. And sure, you know, I truly don't. Um, I, I go back, I tell the story years ago, I was covering a Giants Eagles Sunday night game. I was the Giants beat writer and the Giants were up five and the Eagles had the ball with uh, two minutes left. And I was actively rooting against the Eagles because when you're, um, covering a night game for a newspaper, your story needs to be in by the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And if the Eagles scored, I was going to have to rewrite my story and get it in, in a matter of like, I don't know, two minutes. And it was just going to be chaos. So I was, and by the way, don't, if you're an Eagles fan, you listen to this and you're mad at me for that. If it was 36, 31, the other way, I would have been rooting for the Eagles. Okay. You root for yourself in this business. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not hard. And, and, and I do miss being a fan, but, the trade-off is great. We got one of the best gigs ever, right? Uh, no question about it. Now, after that game, after that Super Bowl win, obviously eu- euphoria erupted uh, across the nation for Eagles fans. Now, I'm down on the field, and, and at the conclusion of doing multitudes of interviews, I actually dropped to the ground and did a confetti snow angel. <laughs> did, did you? Now, now, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I bleed green and gold. That's yeah. one of the worst-kept secrets in this region. People know I'm a <laughs> Packers fan. But I'm also an Eagles fan. You can't cover this team for more than two yeah. decades and not be a fan. And I, yeah. allowed my fa- I allowed myself to be a fan for a moment. Did you allow yourself to be a fan and get that confetti snow angel? I didn't. What I did was I packed up, like, two trash bags worth of confetti because I knew people were going to want it. And uh, I, 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 you, let me tell you something. You want the greatest gift in the world for an NFL fan? For an NFL fan, excuse me? Um, when their team wins the Super Bowl, bring yes. them some of the confetti from – oh, my – they they are so stoked for that. I I've mean, never understood just, that because, you know, I had so many people asking me, did you get some confetti? I'm like, dude, it's just paper. What, what do you want? No, but it's Super no. Bowl confetti. I never even thought about it. I can't yeah. believe people wanted well, that stuff. That that was experience, right? I've covered Super Bowls and yes. we did it one year. Some somebody asked for it. I think a Patriots fan asked for it. And I said, okay, yeah, if they win, I'll get it. And and that person was stoked. And I said, Well, every year I kind of think like I, I know the Chiefs, um, the, the bar in Philly, Big Charlie Saloon in South yep. Philly, that's the yep. big Chiefs bar. I grabbed it for them and oh my god, they they were so I always think whoever's in the game, do I know fans of that team? So when the when the Eagles won, I said, "Yes, I know fans of the Eagles. This is going to be the biggest <laughs> confetti." I mean, I, I thought I was going to get stopped. I pulled so much confetti out of there, uh, uh, D gun. No, I didn't. Um, I did two times when I covered the Giants. Um, we were on the field uh, the first time when they upset the Patriots. You know that one I was kind of caught up in a little bit. And again, yeah. it's not a team I grew up, but it's just to be along for that ride. Um, was was really it just it you, you got swept up in it so afterward we did our video for the website and i said well, let's reenact the final play yeah the final touchdown 
And so I was Plaxico and my columnist, Steve Politi was Eli. And we had a guy I just pulled over. He cut because they were throwing a ball on the field. So they were, you know, so we were, and then I grabbed the confetti and I kind of threw it up in, in Steve's face. And so we did it then. So we recreated it in 46 real quick story on that 42. I picked them to beat the, um, uh, to beat the Buccaneers in the, in the wildcard round. And then I picked against them every game after that. (laughs) And I remember giants fans were killing me for that. And I remember saying to myself, man, I wish I saw this coming because it would have been great to have my eyes open to the fact that this team could go on a run. Mm -hmm. And um, then I thought to myself, no, I think it was maybe better to experience. Oh, I had this internal conversation with myself and I said, here's my, here's my plan. If I ever feel like a team is in this situation again, going forward, I'm going to open my eyes to the possibility that it could happen and let's see, you know, how it affects my coverage and all this stuff. They beat the Cowboys to get into the playoffs uh, four years later. Yep. Wait, back up. They beat the Jets in week 16. Uh, Victor Cruz, 99-yard touchdown, all this stuff. On Christmas Eve, they beat the Jets to go to eight uh, eight and seven. or wait, I think they wound up being nine and seven that year. So to go to eight, eight and seven. And I said, and the players said it afterward, and their families did too. We all said it. We're like, this team's going to the Super Bowl. Just mm. could feel it. It was the same feeling as four years before. And so that year I picked them every week and I wrote with this notion of like, this team could take off, watch out. And it was, it was cool to do it one way where I didn't see it coming one way where I did see it coming and to experience it both ways uh, was cool. And and yeah, I threw some, that was a long answer to you asking me if I did some confetti. That's okay. That's all right, man. That's why I love talking to you. (laughs) Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you, uh, you have time restraints, but I got to ask you a couple of more questions. First of all, a quick look at the NFC East Dallas controls the division, but are they the best team in the division? Because the wash this Washington teams starting to make some noise. Washington is really impressing me. Um, they're, 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 they're doing some, they, they play sound football, right? You're not going to run yeah. these guys off the field yeah. and the quarterback's going to make mistakes, but he's not going to make many. Um, so they're really impressing me with what they're doing. They've had, they've had a bunch of long drives lately when they need long drives, uh, which is good because you eat clock, but they're also scoring points at the mm-hmm. end of these drives. Mm-hmm. Um, the only caveat to that was the Seahawks game where they had the long drive, but their kicker was hurt where they would have kicked the field goal, made it a two-score game, so they had to go for it, and Logan Thomas just had the ball kind of slip out. Anyway, I consider that a successful uh, uh, scoring drive in my mind. So that's one of the things that they're doing right now yep. that has me really impressed. And the Eagles have the Eagles have two against them. Yeah, they haven't played them yet. they got two against them coming that's up. Right. So that's right. those are going to be fascinating games. They are. Are you covering both of those games? Uh, it's a great question. We kind of learn about this week by week. The first one is in Philly next week, or not next week, the week after, right? Week after, right. And the second one's in Washington. I imagine yep. I'm going to grab at least one of those, if not both of okay. them. So, uh, uh, yeah, be excited. And 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 who knows? Now we got the we're, we're in the flex time, right? We might. Get, right. Oh no, no, they locked that one in at one o'clock. Oh, right? One o'clock, good because I oh, don't know what that to be. December nineteenth, yeah, one o'clock. I, I'm going to say. 99% chance that okay. I'll be there for that one. I did not want that to be a night game. Thank goodness that didn't happen. <laughs> hey, look, in all the years you've been covering the NFL, what is your favorite stadium to cover a game in? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Uh, which is, I love that place. Is it uh, Not CenturyLink, not Quest. I don't know what uh, the heck it's called now. These, uh, these yeah. stadiums change every five I apologize years. to the sponsor, but you know what? It keeps changing. Um, <laughs> all right. Just real quick, what yeah. I love about that place. Yeah. And and Jerry World, you got to go see in Dallas. Like you got to. I, I love that stadium. I know Dallas yeah, but, fans hate it, but I love that stadium. But I don't because Why? it's not geared toward the game. 
right? You got the big screen. You got the dancers on the platforms. You got it's, obstructed seats. It's like a Everything futuristic movie. I, I, you got to see it, but it's not my favorite because I, I like everything in Seattle. Everything's geared toward the game experience itself. Good. Wow. Okay. What's the worst stadium you, you always hate going to to cover a game? And I know you have to be politically correct somewhat because the NFL network is owned by the league. Oh, no, you know, no, no, I'll give you. I don't want to get you in trouble. No, 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 no. We're good. Um, <laughs> well, let me, let me. I, I'm going to answer your question with a question. It, what worst in what way? I mean, people don't care about about us and like what's the best press box. In, or in terms like of logistics, uh, in terms of food, locker room <laughs> access, all of the above. <laughs> um, there's been so many FedEx Fields, FedEx Field probably. That, pla- yeah. that place sucks. Yeah, the locker room <laughs> is split in half, oh, which. Good. It's the funny because the, the press coach, box is in the coffin corner of an end press zone. Press box is you in the corner. You can't see the doggone game. You're in the middle of nowhere, right? It's yeah, just yeah. location is just and and so it, it you know, again, I, I nothing people don't want to hear the media's complaints about the media experience. No, no. But it is it's it's more than that. I mean, I had people of Seattle, I had the Seahawks people. They were, you know, they're standing on the sideline. I was talking to them. And they're like, this place is a dump, huh? And I was like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> now listen, comparatively. When I first started covering it, uh, covering the NFL, you know, what the, the vet, Three Rivers Stadium, oh I mean, we had legitimate dumps, yeah. right? Oh, my so, goodness. And, and, and FedEx Field was the, was the new kid on the block back then, right? So now it's now it's down here, and it's like, okay, yeah. if this is the worst of the worst now, we've come a long way in 20 years. Hey, I can take you back even further to show you how old I am, man. I've, I've covered games since there was Jack Murphy slash Qualcomm Stadium. I covered games there, yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. I, and I lived in San Diego for a while, and I covered that team. That place was trash. And then Raiders, the Raiders Stadium. No, no, the old 49er Stadium, Candlestick Park. Every oh, time yeah. I went into that stadium, I'm holding my breath waiting for an earthquake. I don't know why, but in the back of my mind, I'm waiting for an earthquake. That place was a dump also, man. You couldn't even get a cell phone signal close to the locker room. Yeah, and Oakland was bad too. Uh, yes. We did a New Year's Eve game in Oakland in 2005. Um, and I'm like, this just doesn't fit. And, you know, some people are wistful for the dirt infield, you know, that they used to uh, get out of here. Making a football field. There should be no dirt on a football field. Um, so I, you know, those, those stadiums I'm I'm glad are gone. And, um, you know, there was, there was a little bit of nostalgia for those days. Uh, I, I Qualcomm, uh, had the open air press box because it's just so beautiful. Yep in San Diego that you can have an open air press box outside. It's the only and, thing and I the, liked about it. And that crowd was great. Those, those chargers fans, I felt so bad when the team left San Diego, that was, it was a great, great fan base. All right. My final question to you. Did you ever think that Mike Garofalo WIP producer would yeah. ascend to a job <laughs> description where he is on a national platform now? Was that your ultimate goal? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no okay. question. I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, yep. you know, my wife, when I first met her, um, I'd come home and watch sports and she'd go, I don't understand. I don't come home and watch CNBC. <laughs> and I was like, that's your problem, right? You're supposed to do, supposed to do what you love. Right. Oh, so man. I was very fortunate from a young age. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, but, I, you know, there were moments along the way where I didn't know how it was going to go. I mean, I remember uh, specifically I just graduated college um, and I was working at IP 
uh, in my junior and senior year. And, and maybe it was Don McKee. Somebody was working on, on the weekend. And I remember looking through the glass and we had no calls. It was the middle of the mm-hmm. summer. Um, and I had time to think, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, okay. Cause that's what I wanted to do growing up. I mean, I did yeah. want to like, you know, sports talk radio. Um, and I remember looking, I was like, you know, do I still want to do that? I knew it was in sports and it was right. in broadcasting. Or, you know, and I said, well, even if I want to do that, right. I still, the, the people they put on the air were former writers. So I had some conversations and Dick Girardi was awesome. Uh, set me up with, you know, talked to Pat McClune, who's mm-hmm. the editor at the Philly daily news at the time. Um, and um, somebody else connected me with Rob body. Oh yeah. Still with the Associated Press, now down in Tampa, but uh, Philly sports editor for yeah. Um, and Rob and I it was funny because Rob and I, all I knew was that he worked at WIP. So I emailed yep. him, and you know he said, "Well, come out to Eagles training camp. Let's have a talk." And you know, and, and the more we talked, we realized um, he went to my high school. Yeah. First, he was from my neighborhood. Second, he's from my high school. Uh, third, his brother used to. Uh, his brother was friends with, with my neighbor growing up and they mm-hmm. were older. They were about 10 to 15 years older. Um, and uh, my father never had prison. Well, we had prison late, late in the, in mm-hmm. the, in the days of prison, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't do the premium channels. I mean, we were behind on cable too. I mean, lo- God love my dad, but we were, you know, we're a little frugal in that household. <laughs> and uh, so I would go in their house and watch the, the, the playoff games, the big games uh, that were on prison and his brother was one of those guys that was hanging out with my neighbor in that yep. house. And yep. so Rob was great, brought me, you know, under his wing. And I, I got to write for the Associated Press and kind of through all that got recommended for the the, the Newark Star Ledger job. And, and it's a long story that uh, my wife has given me the wrap up signal. Okay. You know, like, yeah, I hear you, you. you guys aren't even good. She's giving me the wrap up signal. I get um, that all the time, brother. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was writing for and, and uh, covering the Giants for the Star Ledger. And they have a Giants online show that they call where the writers were on uh, this MSG show. And after my first year, the producer said, hey, uh, we haven't had you on. Would you like to be on? So I went on and I did that. And afterward, I'm walking off the set. He's kind of staring at me. And I'm like, oh, God, did I just blow this? And he goes, (laughs) you're pretty good at this. Right. And I was like, wow. Oh, this I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I went to school and I've I've worked in in radio TV. I was like. You should be surprised I can write a sentence in the paper. That's what you should be surprised about. You know what <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Hey, Mike, man, I love you, man. And, and I thank you for yeah. taking the time to stop by for Gun on One. Hopefully, I can hit you up again down the road, oh, yeah. whether later in the season or in the offseason, as uh, we wait to yeah, see but, what this but, Eagles team but, is going to but do. But call my wife first. This way, yes. I could be like, well, well, you scheduled it, not me. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, send me her email so I can go through her. Troy Vincent tells me the same thing. Call my wife or my assistant <laughs> first before you call me. So I can't thank you enough. Uh, hey, everybody, uh, don't forget. You know, follow Mike on all of his platforms, and more importantly, listen to his podcast. Great podcast, NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. Uh, Mike Garofolo, thank you so much, my brother. Uh, have a great day, and uh, stay safe out there, man. And I'll keep watching me. I love your work, and keep you doing what you do, brother. Thank you. I'd say Merry Christmas, but I'm going to see you before that, so I, I will hold off go. on that for now. All right, brother. <laughs> all right, and uh, folks, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One, powered by Patterson Square Garden. For Mike Garofolo, I'm Derek Gunn. As I tell you each and every week, hey, stay blessed out there, but more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gun on One is a production of D-Gun Enterprises.
Moses in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.